Welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Hoops podcast. Uh, as always, we hope that you and your family are safe, doing well, um, staying sane, finding ways to distract yourselves. Uh, we're here to help with that in in the tiny way that we possibly can. Uh, I am, of course, Andy Barron's company from Chicago, and I'm joined, uh, per the usual protocol, by Dalton Del Don. Dalton, what's up? How are you doing? What's well, new in quarantine and- life? Yeah, not not too much new to report. Um, talk a little more hoops with you. Looking forward to a big week for you, Andy Barons. Uh, I was on a live XM Serious draft in which we drafted the world's greatest authors, artists, and composers. And one <laughs> Andy Barons was drafted and not by his podcast partner, myself. Chris List took Andy Barons among you know such, such luminaries as Dickens, Shakespeare, you know Tolkien, Tolstoy, Andy Barons. Yeah, no question. I'm I'm obviously the 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 one one in that draft. I'm obviously first overall in that draft. Um, was I I'm just curious? Was I selected as an author, as a composer? Um, that's as an true. That's, that's true. You are multifaceted, multi eligible uh, in fantasy terms. But you were an author is where you were you were you were labeled as for your you know. Hey man, you you wrote a, a, a movie a. a book that turned into a legitimately funny movie so so the so the first round is it goes barons mozart picasso does it go barons bach mozart does it like what's the what's the first three obviously it was barons, it was something who? like I, I think i took shakespeare first overall and then and then it went uh something like uh maybe bach and then barons i think it went somewhere around that in that order but big week for you andy i mean what the hell has shakespeare done in the last i don't know like three centuries or whatever like I, I had a book published just a few years ago no no doubt yeah no and the performance art is going to continue with this very podcast too as well so, uh. <laughs> i love by the way i love by the way that the rotowire guys on uh serious are just drafting the <laughs> out of everything oh man yeah they're <laughs> like, they're yeah they're searching there's nothing content. they haven't hit yeah. right daily two hours every day right now with no sports yeah it's rough so yeah they're bringing me on um, and I'm draft. I ended up drafting one of my my buddies, who's a New York artist, is my last art pick too. So you weren't the only one off the wall, sad to say. So, so yeah, it's a it's a tough time now. We need sports to return, and uh, yeah, hope, hopefully, uh, hopefully it eventually does. But yeah, it's rough right now, man. I mean, they've kind of sort of returned. Have you been watching? You've been watching Horse? Did yes, you watch I the, the first. Uh... <laughs> What a, just, what a night that was for Chicago sports, by the way. Allie Quigley and Zach Levine both win. That was huge. For the sake of this very podcast, for no other reason, I did uh, DVR it with the kids jumping around. I, I did watch it. It was uh, entertaining. I was, t- was telling you uh, backstage. My favorite part was uh, checking out you know, the players' backyards. Uh, you know, these rumors, uh, not rumors, but Jason Tatum and Giannis supposedly have not touched a basketball during this hiatus, which is just mind blowing to me. I, I don't understand that. They don't just have a hoop in their backyard, but I like checking out uh, how uh, those players had it. And the, you know, the, the video shooting wasn't, I, I, you know, it wasn't 5g or whatever, you know, it wasn't exactly 4k, but uh, yeah. But yeah. Other than that is entertaining. Yeah. That's definitely the, like the primary problem of course, is that everything is super pixelated and it's like, it's understandable. There's not really anything you can do. You can't, you can't send a huge production crew to, to work on it, right. right? Like you basically got to rely on somebody with a phone uh, also at your house uh, uh, moving around and trying to get trying to get shots. So like hard, hard to blame the network for the production quality. It's fun that they're doing it. Um, like I know it got I know it got hammered on social media, but I was kind of I was enjoying it. I'll say that much like it's really, you know, one one thing that you quickly notice is it's hard. There's just like. There's a time lag in the broadcast, right? And when everybody's hearing each other, so it's very difficult yeah. for them to communicate back and forth. 
Um, it's again, it's a little bit pixelated, so you can't always tell if a if a shot even went in, which is a little problematic in horse. I'll, I'll give yeah. you that, but still, it was pretty fun. I'm like going in. I would not have said that Allie Quigley was my favorite, but um, you and I were talking about it earlier. She's she's got like all, all the NBA players, obviously for for the most part, have like pretty serious compounds at, at which they're living right now, and with those compounds, seem to come. Um, pretty great uh, uh, full court setups or at least half court setups. Right. So they've got like, they've got baskets that are like firmly planted in the ground, but Allie just had like, you know, the, the basket on wheels that you had in your driveway as a kid, whatever. She, a lot of know, give just, on that rim. A lot of give. Yeah. All she had to do was like get the ball on the backboard anywhere and it would drop in. Like her go-to shot was a, was a banked free throw, which I don't know, go try to bank in free throws. It's not that easy. And unless you've got like the friendliest rim of all time. So if that's really the bucket that she's shooting on, I, I think she's your prohibitive favorite. Yeah, she was kind of money, though. She was impressive. And then what uh, Levine's going to do, uh, his, he really did try to utilize, no dunking, but he still tried to utilize his athleticism. So that'll be interesting. Oh, yeah, that forward. was that was cheap. He was putting the ball above the rim. Like he yeah, was doing like yeah. these no rim layups. That, right. But basically by getting his hand like a full foot yeah. above the rim yeah. and then dropping it in. So it was right. pretty like, yeah, if he, if he does that to Quigley, that's, that's, that feels like it should be out of bounds. But again, she's got some home court advantages of her own. Um, shout out to her for utilizing, uh, the, the Pete Maravich, uh, you know, she was, she was seated on the ground, like eight or 10 feet away from the, from the bucket and banking a shot in. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I love the pistol Pete references every show these days. Um, I, uh, yeah, horse is fine. <laughs> That's all we whatever. got are old sports, man. Yeah. I, I, um, I get the criticism and I, we, we talked backstage, you know, the producers, like let's talk about how boring it was. And then I love Barron's, you were entertained, but low bar to clear these days, you know, you're watching old, old sports, but, uh, Hey, yeah, I, I will tune in and see who, who advances to the next round. Yeah. There's a novelty now to, being able to watch any sort of sports yeah, where I sure. don't know the outcome. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like that, that simple element is, is such a huge pleasure right now. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. At least I get, at least I get Levine and Quigley. Um, they were super fun. Bulls news. Bulls news. Come on. We do. Some- we do have Bulls news. Like I was pretty skeptical as to whether uh, our, our new executive in charge of Bulls basketball, uh, Arturis Karnasovas, was actually going to be able to fully push Gar Foreman out of the picture. It, it appears that's actually happened. We're not going to have we're not going to have Gar um, and, and perhaps Paxson in just some sort of still takes a salary in an advisory role sort of situation like. I was I was obviously afraid that Karnasovas comes in or anybody comes in and and they're. And that person is immediately somehow underneath um, Foreman and Paxson in the hierarchy. It doesn't seem like that's the case. So that's super exciting. Karnasovas really has like legit power. Um, Boylan maybe hasn't been moved out just yet, but it's really hard to imagine that, uh, especially once the full front office takes shape, once we've got a general manager to go with the, uh, you know, Karnasovas in this sort of like all-powerful authority executive role, it's really hard to imagine that they're not going to want to pick their own head coach. Um, I'm sure that the Bulls' ownership isn't that interested in continuing to pay, you know, Jim Boylan to not coach for whatever it is, two more seasons, something like that. They don't generally like being in that position, but, um, like, you can't you can't let a team of executives come in and, and then be uh, handcuffed to not only the old regime's coach, but a, but a coach who's just pretty clearly overmatched. Yeah, I think it was Winhorse. He wrote a nice rundown of the whole Garpax uh, relationship and how it uh, 
came to an end. I was going to ask you about season tickets, but uh, who knows anything as far as live sports, but where did you stand there? I mean, obviously, so you're encouraged moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they took my deposit. <laughs> they, yeah. they didn't have any, they didn't have any, any qualms. Same about with the Niners. Back. Yeah. Same with the Niners. Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know when the season starts or, um, you, you know, we had the, uh, kind of bouncing all around here, but, uh, D- Dr. Fauci just a couple days yeah. ago came out and said that, uh, like he can imagine a return of sports perhaps even soon, but, but there's no way it can happen with, uh, with live fans in attendance. At some point, I'm I'm not going to be super excited to keep, you know, shelling out a thousand bucks a month or whatever it is to, <laughs> to, to the Bulls for a season that I might not be able to attend. But whatever. Um, I'm, I'm generally excited about the direction of the team. Um, there has been some thought that, you know, they obviously have a nice young nucleus. Um, it's not a winning nucleus at this point, but they obviously have some nice young players. Um, there, there has been some thought locally about like what trades they may make. Everything presumably is on the table for a new regime. Interesting. Do you have any thoughts on any of the, uh, the players moving forward? Uh, personally, I've been playing around with that nerdy stat I brought up last week, player impact, uh, plus minus, And they, which, which you have begun to embrace because it says things about Draymond Green that everybody just knows. Aren't yeah, you're true. getting confused of two. There's another one I use too that, that really label it, but this one is not quite that one. Yes. He likes him one season. Yes. But this, the stats not bad. And Looking for uh, for the for the prospects is interesting. It loves Lamelo Ball, and I wanted to ask you about uh, Halliburton since he's uh, I think fairly close to Iowa State, right? So I don't know if you watch much of him, but but before we circle back there, um, the past prospects it loved Wendell Carter is like a top, I think it was a top ten prospect over the past four years, counting this incoming class. So for whatever that means, it was big on him as a prospect. And oh boy, if you look at what it thinks of Zion, this movie, what he did in his limited playing time this year and as a prospect, man, he's like in a whole nother level. But so um, I'm interested. I was all set on Killian Hayes as a Warriors pick and now LaMelo Ball is interesting. And um, I'm curious on your your opinion on Halliburton and Wendell Carter. Well, so first of all, I tend to see all of college basketball through the prism of uh, Iowa basketball, right? <laughs> like, no, I'm I know, super, right. you know, I'm, I'm pretty much about my university. I'm not I'm not like out scouting the entire college community. Um, I figured that was close like, enough. I figured it was close enough. Maybe you'd catch catch him a little. So, yeah. So I've seen him. Um, I, I guess I would be a little surprised. Like, I, I don't know. My my current understanding of this draft class is that. um there's all sorts of different names that could go number one, right? I don't feel like there's a consensus. We're all definitely on Edwards or we're all definitely on ball or whatever. I, I don't feel like there's a consensus, you know, top one, two, three in any specific order. Um, I don't I, like, I don't think of Halliburton as a guy who would be, who would be top five. Maybe he is. Um, but I also don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't have the full prospect profile uh, uh, at my fingertips on any of these guys. And it, again, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like, the most star-studded uh, draft class, but but you're in a ball apparently. Yeah, I, I trust this guy. It's in. A, I was watching some highlights, and uh, I mean, it's too bad his dad taught all his kids, sons this horrible form uh, shooting. Seriously. But um, yeah, man, he looks like the real deal, and he can just uh, his athleticism. And uh, I don't know how the fit or what the Warriors are after. They're they've been connected to um, a foreigner that uh, just declared today. I'll, I'll mess his name up. But um, yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to follow whenever that NBA draft is. But looking at the prospects, but. Um, but yeah, so so ball right now, and, and Halliburton has just jumped out as it's the uh, the PIPM's number two prospect for this for this draft. But what are your thoughts on Wendell Carter? I know that the injuries have been a problem. I liked him in fantasy last year; another disappointment. But just ch- 
checking that out, I was like, whoa, I'm going to tell Andy there that this model really, really, you know, ha- lights his future. Yeah, um, not based at all off of his uh, collegiate experience, but I've been super impressed by him. And the the current coaching staff has not really been willing to use him as a as any sort of centerpiece player, right? Um, he, he's he's been very role playery in their in their offense, and maybe that's just life next to Zach Levine, right? Zach Levine is obviously a twenty five a game sort of scorer. Um, Carter has been has functioned as somebody who kind of, who kind of cleans up messes and obviously defends really well. I I think there's a lot to him though. And I like, I think he's a, you know, I've actually, especially over the last couple of years, I've been pretty down on Markinen, not in terms of like what he brings night to night necessarily. Obviously he's had some injury issues as well as, uh, as Carter, but um, as a, as a passer, he's not even like a, he's not even really a color by numbers passer. I mean, he doesn't even, he doesn't even make the expected pass that, that you're supposed to make. Um, but, but I think Carter can, like, I, I think Carter is a, is a pretty well-rounded player, super strong, obviously really strong hands. You can see that in like contested rebounding situations. So I like, I'll be, bu- I don't know. I think, I figure everybody's on the table in terms of trade for the bulls right now. It's not like they've been some, you know, it's, it's not like there's some shimmering superstar on the roster that they have to build around. Absolutely. But I will be, I'll be moderately disappointed if, uh, if Wendell Carter isn't part of this team going forward, because he, you know, I like to kind of uh, young players when they have, when they have a variety of injury issues, but it's not one stubborn problem, right? It's not like with Carter and Markkinen. It's not like, you know, it's not like they have bad backs and it's not like they have to miss time because of a balky knee or something like that. So like, I don't know, it's a little bit of bad luck. I don't, I, I try not to sweat that too much. Um, I feel like, I feel like Carter's best years are going to be like all-star caliber years. I don't know that I'm still there with Markkinen, but I feel like, I feel like Carter can be that sort of like two or three time all-star sort of player. Totally makes sense to me. Here's here's this model's top 10 prospects over the last four seasons. So since 2017, number one, Zion, two, Luca, three, Lonzo Ball, four, LaMelo Ball, five, Halliburton, then six, Jaron Jackson, Aiton, Markel Fultz, Wendell Carter, and Jason Tatum. Interesting. Just interesting. Wow, Who it's, knows? A, it's, a really, it's a really good list. I don't feel like I've seen Halliburton's name that high it's crazy many, right i know on very many draft boards yeah, um, i know but that is a but that's i mean i don't know that that's exactly the right list but that's a really good list right like I, I mean yeah. you can you can shuffle those names in a couple of different ways but that those are all the right ones that should probably be in a top 10 right yeah so interesting it's just something i came across thought of, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of different opinions on these prospects with uh, probably the only thing to talk about for for a while um speaking of bulls what are you fired up for this last dance uh, too bad it hasn't aired yet but there's been a lot of coverage before our own marcus vandenberg wrote you know five things to look for and obviously as a bulls guy you're fired up so yeah so, some some last dance or what yeah, I can't like I can't wait. I assume you can't wait. I know that you were like a huge Jordan fan as a kid, right? Like um I mean any anybody who grew up in that era or around that era or was a was a child or was barely even cognizant of sports in that era was going to be a Jordan fan. Um we we talked a little bit about it a couple weeks ago. Like I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. If you if you could pick one season from the six title years to really get inside of and uh it, 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 like just seeing what was going through everybody's head, it, it would be um, for me either that year or the or the final year of the first three Pete. Like I just think you know when it, when a team is just so like 
emotionally and mentally spent and they've basically been playing nonstop with only the shortest breaks for, for three years at the absolute highest level. And they're taking everybody's best effort every night. Like, I just think, I just think that's gotta be so exhausting in my own memory of, of, Again, that that Bulls team that won the the sixth title was just that there was there was so much just sort of low level simmering animosity among players and among executives on the team and between like the coaching staff and Kraus and between players and Kraus and everybody was going to be a free agent and everybody was fed up with uh, not only the general manager but you know I, I, I assume that a personality like. Jordan, somebody is relentless at that, just wears on people. Um, you, you yeah, know, he's worried. I, I just, he's really worried that he's going to look like, you know, rough in this. There's, he's voiced his concerns. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, look like a total jerk. Like, he's like, well, you had, I mean, to be that, had to be hard on guys. I had to prepare them for the Eastern Conference finals and all this stuff. So it's, it's, it's interesting. If, I mean, if half of the behind-the-scenes Jordan stories are true, like, not, not even not off-the-court stuff, just, like, like in-practice stuff that you hear right. about Punching Jordan, yeah, people, he's yeah, going to... Yeah. Yeah. He's going to look like a little bit of a dick. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, it's bad, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it certainly seems like the, you know, the punch it. Like, who could, who's less punchable than Steve Kerr? Um, <laughs> but, he, you know, like at some point yeah. um, early in, in Kerr's yeah. Bulls life, he uh, he took a shot at him. Like, yeah, I, I, I bet that's right. Like, I feel like when people see what the behind the scenes um, competitiveness is just like, it wouldn't even have to be that Bulls team, like almost any NBA team, you know, people get so up in arms when they see two guys arguing on the sidelines. And that's just like a a fundamental part of sports at every level. Um, I I can only imagine what it was like for the Bulls behind the scenes. And again, another thing that we talked about before was the, I'm really interested to see how all of the discussion around um, like in my head, when Scottie Pippen decided to get surgery, it was the most, it was the most weirdly timed thing. Cause he'd had an injury for like, it, it, basically he was dealing with an injury that he suffered in the playoffs the year before. And then he decided to get surgery on it. Um, but pretty much on the eve of the start of the right. regular season. So like, what does that do to a team? Um, what does that do to everyone's attitude? They obviously they started off as like a 500 team for the first month of the year. Two, first of all, I forgot Pippen just revealed that he got fired by the Bulls. It's an all Bulls ep- episode. Oh shoot, sure. yeah. yeah, Pippen um, was fired, uh, and and also. One of the nuggets that Marcus brings up is that the Rodman story in Vegas, I guess, is out of control. Like he, Rodman had been, uh, Phil Jackson's like, you need two days off, go ahead. And that two days off turned into uh, people having to knock on his door and Carmen Electra hiding behind furniture and it's hilarious. Uh, and that, and that, like that, Jordan that, showed up there, like Michael Jordan himself showed right, up, right? right. To, okay, that's to drag Dennis Rodman yes, back yeah, from, from right, Vegas. Right. Yeah, that's good. When yeah. Rodman had been given like what has to be an unprecedented, like, just 48 hours off to just total, go to total. debauch. Right. Yeah. Totally. Like a, to- a totally amazing story. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait yeah. to see that. Yeah. Um, get, I, there's a, there's a lot there to, uh, as, as people are fond of saying now, there's a lot there to unpack. Um, the, the Pippin thing was almost funny to me. Like the Pippin current up, like up to date Pippin being, yes, right. being yes. essentially terminated by the bulls. He Pippin for, for, I, I don't know how many years, you know, he, he more or less reconciled with bulls ownership. Um, the, the Bulls for a few years there were, were pretty much paying him to sit courtside and be a bit of an ambassador for the team and just show up at games, right? Like when during during some years when the Bulls were were only barely watchable, you know, it helps to be able to put Scottie Pippen's face up on a video board 
um, in a bad moment in the game, you're like, it's guaranteed ovation. Um, it's a, it's a feel good moment in the stands. Like it was, you know, that was really nice. Obviously he's been doing the jump, uh, for ESPN for a couple of years. He's great on it. Um, it's a wonderful show and he had, you know, it's not, like Scotty wasn't showing up in the arena, uh, very often, if at all. And it sounds like he had a little bit of a falling out with the team over whether he would still get paid to be any sort of ambassador um, while not actually being in the arena ever. <laughs> so I get it. I, in some ways, like it it doesn't even like the right relationship between Scotty and the Bulls feels like animosity to me because that's the way it was for almost his entire playing right, career. Right. Like he would sign a contract and then it would generally be. A, a below market contract for a few more years, little like trading security for salary and they would be unhappy about it. And like Kraus tried to trade him, I don't know, four or five times more than that. Like, I, I don't know. It was never a good it's relationship. Par for the course. Yeah. It feels perfectly fine in. actually yeah. that it's not a good relationship right. now. Right. All right, man. What, 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 what's next? Um, I, one of the other things I wanted to hit was uh, the, the report from Shams earlier this week that, uh, that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell um, may have an entirely broken relationship that they can't necessarily repair. Um, and I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Obviously, I don't think anybody else does either. I don't even think it's perfectly clear that, that like, I don't know. I don't know that Rudy Gobert was like patient A in this whole thing. I don't know how we know um, who actually had the virus first. It seems like they're both, they're both through it now um, and, and have come out on the other side. And it but I, there's no question that Rudy Gobert was the one who was uh, uh, utterly reckless and uh, and irresponsible about it and obviously did not handle himself well. And he clearly feels a great deal of guilt about that right now uh, as well. But uh, like if that relationship is broken, I, I don't know who like what's a where, where's a good home for Rudy Gobert? I don't know. It says a source says it. It's not that Shams is personally saying it. And I looked a little bit deeper into this and there was, didn't seem like there was anything there at all that there was merit other than they haven't talked or whatever. I, I think this is a big nothing in my, my opinion. This is absolutely nothing. I would, I would be surprised if this results in anything long lasting. I kind of like, I kind of hope that's right. Um, because I feel like this version of the jazz is going to be really fun. And it's one of those, it's one of those crews that, um, you know, like, like sometimes in sports, like the, the, you think of the, the Mavericks team that finally broke through and won a title. I mean, sometimes it just takes years, you know, like there's a lot of value in being a, in being a team that can win 48 to 55 games each year. That's hard. That's really hard. And if you have a nucleus that can do that um, and that has a real identity, like I think that this jazz team does, um, obviously in a, in a league full of superstars, you're not necessarily going to win with that every year, but like, it's so satisfying when a team like that actually breaks through and gets a title or gets itself to a, to a finals. Um, and I, like, I hope they run it back again and again, because I think that's a really, I think it's a really fun way to build a team. And I think Gobert is a, is a really interesting foundational piece for a modern NBA team. Exactly. My point. Yeah. He's just so rare. The defensive prowess uh, in the middle that Gobert brings right now it's just in today's game you said it perfectly yeah for sure I hope I hope they stay there and I think they will I, I I really do not think this will amount to anything um I got a couple of other quick things that I want to hit again I'm not your prospect guy so I don't I don't like I don't know people seem pretty excited about Jalen Green um and it was just announced like right before we started taping a, a podcast that he's actually going to uh, uh skip the uh the the college process entirely and opt for the G league where he might 
be paid as much as like a half million bucks. So that um, that makes pretty good sense. Yeah, he's not in my model. I can't look at the prospect I saw when you added that. Uh, but in all seriousness, he uh, why won't he, to, is this going to be the I'll new just norm? Say to me, he's one of those guys that I've only seen in highlights. This is like this is like high school Zion to me. Yeah, is this right? going to be Where, the new norm though? You know, I mean, more, I mean, if uh, if there's a possibility of getting a half million bucks um, to play in the G League uh, and actually get developed by people with NBA ties, I, I would find that at least as valuable, probably yeah. more valuable. Yeah, I, certainly, eighteen-year-old me would have preferred that to, yeah. to one season of uh, sure. of academics somewhere. For sure, no, no totally interesting, and uh, yeah, I, I think that rule is going to change here fairly soon. Though is probably what the result's going to be, right? People forget that when Dalton Del Don came out of high school, he was a he was a fantasy <laughs> phenom. CBS wanted him, ESPN wanted him, Yahoo wanted him. Uh, he eventually went to RotoWire because um, they're the most crooked program uh, in all of fantasy. I'm sure they I'm sure they gave you a full bag under the table. Um, <laughs> like, what was the point for a young Dalton Del Don of going to college? Yeah, exactly. No, well, exactly. Well, but no, actually, it's funny you say that. It's kind of the opposite. Whenever I'd be on uh, Sirius XM, Chris List would announce that my parents would pay for me to make this appearance. So you just have to sit through it. <laughs> so you have to sit through it. That's how he would announce to everyone that I would be, that would be the opposite. I was paying them off to have me on. So that was very, a great way to introduce me. But uh, yeah. Uh, good times, man. So, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, this so- prospect, someone to follow, and really interesting man- maneuver with this G League stuff. I mean, that's, yeah, that that, that certainly sounds uh, sounds uh, like an enticing route, for sure. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a couple of routes this can go. Num- number one, a lot more kids can and probably will start doing this. And if that, like, if this sort of situation endures for a few years, the G League is going to get pretty watchable, yeah. obviously, because we have a lot of people who are, who are more into, as much into sports as, for the futurism of it as they are for what's actually going on at any given moment and there's going to be totally. quite an audience for these kids um and it, obviously it's going to do a bit of damage to college basketball if this is really the direction we head all right so pow is going to do his fifth olympics i know you wrote some great season uh all-time athletes uh as well right we talked about my league of leagues column last week let's highlight yours uh, your upcoming one Oh shoot! I yeah, it's uh, it's tied to the last dance. Um, I wrote a really long thing. It's not not a really long thing in the way that Dalton's League of Leagues um, manifesto was. It doesn't have to get broken up into five different parts. It's not like you know five separate leather bound tomes or anything like that. But it was pretty long by the standards of you know sort of blog writing and internet writing. It was pretty long. It probably went about four thousand words. Um, and and it, it's just going to be part of a package tied to the release of the last dance, um, about athletes who, um, who were terrific, like, like very late in their careers. Like, so I, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that it's just about old dudes, but it's basically just about old dudes. It's, it's about athletes who had transcendent seasons when they were very late in their careers. And, and the, the, the springboard to it is just how good Jordan was at 40. Um, and it's kind of a, like it's become a bit of a punchline of a season, right? Obviously, because he was no longer, you know, 30, 35 a night, Michael Jordan. He wasn't, he wasn't that version of himself and the team he was leading, obviously in the wizards was a sub 500 team. Not a, not like a, they weren't like a tragic team. They were like, they played at about a 450 clip, something like that. They weren't great. Obviously he was not, you know, um, vintage Jordan, but his final season, like they, the, his final season in the NBA, the year that he turned 40, um, he played all 82 games and he averaged 37 minutes a night, which like right there is ridiculously impressive. Um, 
Average 20 points a game, one and a half steals a game, half a block a game. So he's still defending. It's about four assists a night. It's about six. Re- like, it's a full stat line. And I, th- I think the Jordan blurb um, that I wrote basically began with, like, a blind comparison between the season that Jason uh, Tatum is having right now and Michael Jordan's age 40 season. Like, stat for stat, super similar. <laughs> You know, and even get to some of the advanced numbers, like the value over replacement players, super similar, um, which is not to say, obviously, Tatum is doing it within the context of a team that is playing at like a 650 winning percentage, something like that. It's better, but it's not that much better. Um, just a little bit of an appreciation for how good Jordan was when we were all treating him as a little bit of a punchline. Yeah, I need to go back and look at which of those two seasons I just happened to catch him when the Wizards were visiting the Suns and Phoenix and he hit a game winner of the game. Uh, I had to see him one last time. Um, the, you mentioned the 37 minutes a game and 82 games played. That final year is crazy. And while three years off obviously helped rejuvenate his body, um, it's tough to, as a professional athlete to take a full season off and then compete, let alone three um, and players also did not perform as, as, you know, like we see Tom Brady now. It wasn't like that, man. I mean, the careers ended much sooner. And look at his minutes. He's putting he's putting three seasons in a row right. over 40 minutes a game. I mean, that is just that's not what, what we do these days. So and, and he did not have all the benefits of the supplements we do. And, and what, you know, I mean, he was smoking right. cigars and drinking, too. So it, it's it's an, it's pretty impressive. The durability he had also his career, not just his and- peaks. I mean, the what, what we see at that, what we see at the quarterback position in football where, you know, Brady, Breeze, Favre have had like relevant seasons in their 40s is just not. Obviously, that happens. Um, that happens occasionally in Major League Baseball as well. It just does not happen in the NBA. It just like flat out period doesn't happen. There are guys that stick around until they're 40. Um, All time greats. Generally, it'll be like Moses Malone was still cash and checks when he was when he was 39 or 40. Obviously, Kareem played a a relevant role deep into his career, um, like uh, end of the eighties, basically at, at 40 years old and was a relevant part of title winning teams, but he was no longer like the centerpiece of title winning teams. Um, not obviously not to say the Jordan's wizards were playing at a, at a playoff caliber level or anything like that, but, um, to be a 20 point per game score at the age of 40, even if you've taken a couple of years off before that is just, is just insane. Like the way I can, I can tell you as somebody who is aged to 40, that uh, the the way you're you're generally feeling every day, you know, it's a bit of a roller coaster. So just like uh, it's a little bit of a shout out to him. It's actually it's as you as you get further away from it, it's just an incredible season. It's crazy that that happened. It's crazy that a 40 year old man played 82 games. Like like we're looking at this from the load from the perspective of the load management era, right? Like you, would, you we don't even ask our current stars in their primes to play 82 games. It's like why would you do that? That's that's um, gross negligence. He just did that. Averaged almost 40 minutes a night. Yeah, not only is it crazy to average 20 a game at that age, but but the perception at the time was probably what? Like, disappointment? What are you doing wearing this jersey? You know, like, it was, like, not con- conceived as some feat, yeah. right? It was almost like, a, what's happening? And now you look back, you take, take a step back with a different perspective, and it's like, man, what what an impressive feat, man. Yeah, so I that piece ended up being really long. I think I, I, think I wrote about maybe 20 different athletes. It's eight or 18 or 20 different athletes, um, many of them from Major League Baseball. Um, uh, the, the, you know, the, the two guys that, that stick out as having absurd careers, even among a population of players who, um, who lasted into their forties were, um, I wrote about Satchel Paige, which was really fun. Satchel Paige pitched in the mid 1960s. Um, he, he pitched three innings in a major league game 
for the Kansas City Athletics in like the middle of the 60s. Um, three scoreless innings, only gave up one hit. Carly Stremski got a really? double off of him. That was it. Yeah. Um, so that's insane. That like, is insane. Pitching into your 50s is, is insane. And then um, you can you can get lost on um, – I'm just bouncing all over different sports right now. But you can just get lost on Gordie Howe's hockey reference page. Because oh, Gordie Howe played his first season in like – he played his first NHL game in 1946. And he closed his career in 1980, which, which is just stupid, right? Like you can wow. you can play you can play a game where you can take it back all the way to basically the dawn of hockey itself through like five guys using using Gordie Howe. It's it's insane. Well, I remember playing with- Yarmir Yager and Sega Genesis game when I was in the fourth grade, and last I heard, he was still in the NHL. So and and I'm old, getting old. So yeah, yeah, hockey. I believe it. That apparently that's one sport you can longevity. You can really have have, have lengthy career. Yeah, so that was the the whole thing was really fun to write. Some of the other NBA athletes or uh, uh, basketball players that were profiled in there. There's a little bit on on Cynthia Cooper, who was just absolutely great in the formative years of the WNBA, and uh, had to write about Kareem a little bit because he was such a key component of title winning teams. And he was actually like he was the Finals MVP at like 37. Um, it's not so much that he was, you know, obviously by the time. By the time the Lakers hit their back-to-back titles, like 87, 88, he was, he was well past his prime. But like 85, um, he was still the best damn player on that team, and he was the finals MVP. So that's a, that's a pretty incredible run at 36, 37. Um, so Pau is talking, what is, how many Olympics would this be for him? This would be his fifth Olympics. I'm, I, 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 can't, I can't get over that. Like, Pau has had like a, I don't want to say a sneaky great career because he's obviously been on title winning teams and a major component of title winning teams, but he was always, you know, in the, in, I feel like to the casual fan, he was always the guy that Kobe had to motivate or Kobe had to, you know, kickstart to, to have his best possible game, man. What, like, what an incredible international career. If you just scrap all of the NBA achievements and accolades that Powers and he's obviously, he's been an all NBA player. He's been a multi-time all-star. Um, he's been an NBA champion. Like it is a great NBA career. If you set all that to the side, um, that guy's won two Olympic silver medals, a bronze medal, and he's eyeing his fifth Olympics. The, I, th- I think the one Olympics that he participated in 04 in which he didn't medal, he averaged like, I don't know, 20, 24 points a game, 23 points a game, um, only ever bows out to the USA, right? So he loses to the best possible opponent. Um, and that guy's eye in his fifth Olympics at age 41. And he's probably the rare case where maybe the postponement of the Olympics by a full calendar year is going to help him because he's coming back from a, a stress fracture in his foot. I just I just think that's a terrific story because um, that totally Spanish cool. team is obviously going to be good. The Spanish team is going to be loaded. He could medal again in his in his fourth straight Olympics at 41. That's totally cool, man. And he, I remember he was really, really good uh, right out of the gate. I remember adding him as a rookie free agent uh, in my fantasy league in like 2001 and immediately was started putting up numbers uh, and uh, obviously monster uh, during the Lakers. Uh, I mean, just really stepped up and, you know, he really was one of the elite uh, during that stretch. So yeah, fun, awesome career. Yeah. By the, t- by the time I got to watch him, um, regularly when he was a bull, he was obviously not prime Gasol anymore. Um, not a, like he was one of those guys who was not a great defensive player clearly, but could still block a couple shots a game. So you'd get some, uh, you'd get some fantasy goodies even while he was getting worked over sometimes. Um, but just a super smart offensive player, wonderful passer, like it was just a pleasure to watch. And he's obviously, um, 
he's one of the more interesting interviews in sports too, because he can go off in a variety of directions. Like just a just a smart, fun guy. And shout out to him if he actually does manage to play in a fifth Olympics. Like that's just that's got to be a. I, I don't even know how many people are on that list. It's probably a few shot putters, and it's that it's that one uh, Eastern European gymnast and I, a couple marathoners. Like I don't, I don't even know who else is in the five Olympics club, but that's pretty crazy. Yeah, no, that's absolutely insane. Good stuff, man. I look forward to reading your piece when it eventually uh, comes out. What is it? Is it being held hostage right now backstage? It is much like your League of Leagues piece. Yeah, um, it was it was uh, who knows what to do. And like in this era of sports journalism, who the hell knows what to do with a 4000 word article? Right. So they're I think they're I think they're holding it as part of a, a package around the release of The Last Dance. So The Last Dance should be really fun. Looking forward yeah. to that. Looking forward to the horse semifinals tonight. Oh, yeah. I'm probably the only person who cares about that, but we have a we have a super fun all Chicago matchup between Quigley and, and Levine. Going to check that out. I should mention, however, that uh, we've got, especially with the NFL draft, uh, it's going to be an all hands on deck situation for us next week with draft coverage. We are probably going to go on hiatus for a little bit with the uh, with the basketball pod if by any chance um, the regular season returns in any form. I'm sure we will. Uh, I'm sure we will have a check-in podcast to cover that. We don't really know where that is right now. We just know that the NBA generally is kind of on hold until until May, June. Who knows? Um, and who knows in what form it will come back? So we're probably going to be on a little bit of a hiatus, um, but we do hope to catch up with you all again uh, in a few weeks or months. Yeah. Well, Andy, I, yeah, hopefully we do have basketball soon and, um, it's been great talking to you. Uh, a lot of, a lot of fun and yeah, man, I just want hoops and any sports back in my life. And, uh, yeah, man, have a good time talking, talking some basketball with you, Andy. Yeah. I, I mean, man, not that anybody listening this deep into a fantasy basketball podcast, especially in the month of April, uh, isn't with us on this, but this was shaping up to be such a, like, I know the viewership may have been down like in this particular NBA season, but what a, what a fun close this was going to have. Um, so hopefully we still get it. Hopefully we still get the playoffs at least in some format. Um, Cause I'm still looking forward to Lakers Clippers and I'm looking forward to seeing if anybody can knock off the bucks. And I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like when nobody's been able to pick up a basketball for a month. Like this is going to be, you know, if, if we do get hoops at some point down the road, July, August, this is going to be, this still has a chance to be a really fun postseason. Yeah, I think it was Daryl Morey who said it's not going to be perfect, but everyone, everyone's going to be dealing with the same problems. No one's going to be prepared, although apparently maybe Giannis and, and Tatum might be a little bit uh, rustier than others. But for the most part, everyone's going to be dealing with that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to if it's uh, going to be weird, no fans and a, and a quick tournament, whatever it is, uh, for sure. I'd, I'd love to see a solution to this season. And I think I think it's going to happen. It sounds like to me that everyone realizes how important sports are uh, to people's lives. So they're going to try to make it happen if possible. Yeah, um, horse can really only tide me over for so long, <laughs> yes. I'm afraid. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I agree with you, especially the grainy footage. Uh, yeah, man. Let's hope. So. Yeah. Hoops cannot return soon enough. Seriously. Uh, if you guys do need more fantasy sports content in your lives, um, please check out the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast. Uh, this week, I believe Dalton joined uh, Scott Pianowski for uh, like it's. It's such a fun pod. There's always a fun draft at the end. Um, so baseball presumably is still out there somewhere, um, and we're still covering it. So check out the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, at Yahoo Fantasy, at Dalton Del Don, at Andy Barons. Thanks so much to our producer, Ragu, who's going to have a little uh, 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 cut-and-paste work to do with, uh, with, with this recording, no doubt, as he always does. 
Really appreciative of his efforts over the course of the podcast. Um, check out the Boxed In podcast, too, by the way. I think I'm recording a couple of those today. Those have been really fun. Just short, quick hit uh, uh, pods that cover odd topics. Um, that's been a really good time. Thanks to all of you for listening. Again, continue to stay safe um, and observe all the protocols that we all are. Um, that is it. We are out. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.